You are now listening to the Walk After Falling podcast. Where's your dad's voice? I don't know. Tell me what you want to get down with the flow. Because I'm coming to the show when I let's do this one more flow. I don't know what kind of struggle you're going through. I don't know what the situation may be. But you serve a mighty God. Uh, you serve a mighty God. Ooh, I like that. You serve a mighty God. Uh, tell them what they feeling. Cause it's that feeling. We coming in with the thriller in it. So walk if the filler. Thriller. Thriller. What's up, everybody? How's it going? <laughs> Happy Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Hello, hello. So we're chilling here in uh, the stewed. The stewed? The studio. My stewed. Why are you on your phone right now? I'm pulling up a Bible verse. Okay. Getting prepared. Yeah. All right, cool. So we're in the studio right now, which is a.k.a. Catherine's living room. We've been mobile for a while now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been pretty cool. Yeah. I like our new setup. I do, too. How I do love like the it? arms. Yeah? Yeah. My, my arms? Yeah, your arms. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Jude Show. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really do. These are cool. I know. I feel like we can finally, like, relax and not be super hunched over and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. <sighs> I'm just drinking some coffee. Practicing my ASMR voice skills. <laughs> I want to take you to a beautiful place right now. Okay, so we are going to talk today, and we have no guest today. Our guest is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Amen. And um, and Rocky here, <laughs> chilling. I really like this setup. It's I comfortable. Know. Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk today about something very close to home. And that is Catherine's story. Mm-hmm. So if you guys can remember back uh, and shout out, we made it to episode 30 last week. Woo-hoo. So we're on episode 31 now. <clears throat> and yeah, if you remember all the way back to episode one, I shared my story about uh, my walk it's with self-doubt. And we were very, very new to the game. Very new. Very new. Not that we're pros now, but... We're, we're less new. I know. I had to, like, yank questions out of you to ask me. <laughs> so I had to interview myself. In a way. In a way, no. But we've come a long way. And I think now we're ready. We've had some amazing stories on, some amazing people, very special guests. All special. <laughs> um, but this one is close to home because this is, this is Catherine's story. And... We want to just hold that space right now and and share. And she's ready. She's ready to share. She's come uh, a long way even before I have come into her life and have had the pleasure of making her fall in love with me <laughs> and putting a ring on it. Yes, you do. So you guys have been walking, literally walking with us through that journey as well, too, mm-hmm. which is awesome because we were not engaged when we first started this yeah, podcast. It's pretty cool. So I say all that to bring you in to the space, set the tone. We're we're relaxing right now. We it's a rainy day, fall day, and 
we want to bring you this story. So um, I'm going to leave it to myself to ask the <laughs> first question. <laughs> so, babe, how are you feeling? I feel good. I feel a little nervous. Yeah? Yeah. What about um, sharing your story feels nervous? I just want to make sure, like, the Lord is glorified in it mm-hmm. because it is truly, like, a testimony to his power and sovereignty and grace mm-hmm. and the fact that he's always with us. Yeah. And I want that to be what comes across, like, louder than anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you feel... Before we get into like the meat of your story, how do you feel is the best example um, of how the Lord has really worked in your life? And we'll share, you can share everything leading up to it. But like right now, when you look back, what's maybe a, a sentence, a word, something that you can share that's like, man, like mm. that was all God, you know, for you, what would that be? Mm. It's funny, I the first word that came to my mind was movement, mm. but I think it's because right now you said we're in my place and I'm getting ready to move out of this place mm. in like 10 days. Mm-hmm. And when I think about how I was when I first moved in here and now moving out, you know, this place that's held me for two years, it's probably seen, it's like it held me from when I was at just a low, desperate, Mm. lonely place. Yeah. And now I feel entirely renewed Mm. as a person leaving here. I feel like a completely different person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like perfect in the way that it's come to a a complete, a completeness of Mm -hmm. you've grown so much in this place mm-hmm. and not just the physical place, but while you've been here, I'm sure there've been many nights of crying and loneliness. And I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> and, um, just going through a lot of things here. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of memories packed in those two years from where you were before to where you are now mm-hmm. and leaving to, you are literally elevating to a new season. You are moving to, a new place it's gonna be fresh and new memories to make and um yeah we're gonna be 11 minutes away now Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be saving on some gas hallelujah Hallelujah. that is glorifying the lord (laughs) 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 but uh he's cracking jokes because he's watching me cry right now that's why well you can cry your your um your crying could be part of our asmr (laughs) what what did your drop sound like <laughs> sure. Something yep. like that. I don't know. But okay, so but up up until that point when you get, like you getting to this place is a story in itself and what you went through in those 2 years. Mm. But we want to go a little bit further than that. We want to go mm-hmm. to um a maybe a darker place mm-hmm. and um a you know, a darker place in your life that may have felt like you know, looking back on now even before these two years, mm-hmm. how far you've come along oh, yeah. since then. And, you know, sharing your story with me, um, I think is one of the, one of the biggest things in our relationship that you were able to 
like open up about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to stop there. I'm going to leave it to you because I want you to start where you feel like you want to start with and share it how you want to share it. And then I'll ask questions as we go along. But I want to leave that space for you now. Mm. Wow. You know, I think when you talk about like be, it being a dark story, um, like that's definitely how it felt when I was in it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel dark now because yeah. I know the end. Yeah, it's not necessarily a dark story, but it was a it was a dark season. It was, yeah, hard season, tough yeah. season, a season of finding yourself, losing yourself. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it really, for me, it all really started when I lost my grandmother when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my mom was in Atlanta with my grandma. So I was just at home with my dad. And it was just very lonely. Mm-hmm. I was very lonely. And... um having that like deep loss and not having your mom there to like comfort you. Mm -hmm. She, I believe she was where she needed to be with her mom. But at the same time, I needed my mom. Mm -hmm. I needed that comfort and I just felt alone. I didn't know where to turn. And I'd always grown up with, you know, my mom and I grew up reading the Bible every morning, Mm -hmm. reading, uh, sticky situations (laughs) like so that was something I mean the Lord is in my heart Mm -hmm. I got baptized when I was eight years old Mm -hmm. you know I always felt like a very um a very deep peace Mm -hmm. from the Lord and I didn't in that moment I don't know if it was that I didn't really seek him out or it just wasn't on my mind but I just I just felt like my it was just me mm. and I had to hold myself up and I couldn't do that. Wow. And so I turned to self-harm and that was my comfort. And that became my comfort for like the next five years of my life. Wow. And, you know, I know we talked about it at a very early episode, mm-hmm. but the thing about self-harm is that it just it temporarily makes you feel better, Mm. makes you feel like you have control over whatever it is. Like for me, it was just like overwhelming sadness Mm. and loneliness and shame. And it was, I don't know if this is just like, uh, how Catherine experiences the world or if it's, you know, those, those emotions are just as heavy as they are. But for me, it felt like they were like soul crushing. Oh. And I, when I was in them, I could not see a way out. Yeah. I could not, not feel the entire weight of them. Mm. And so self-harm was a way that it would bring me back out a little bit. It felt like I could just like, like, peek my nose above water and get a breath like a very short breath and then it would just come like you know it it would drown me out again Mm. and it just continued in that spiral for years and what was 
be how do you, how did you turn to that? Like how does one I mean it may be different for everybody, but like like how does somebody find out like oh I can do this and it can make me feel better? Honestly, in that in at least it's what they think. I really I really wish I knew. <clears throat> I like like I go back to the moment that it was like the first time I decided to do it and I'm like, "What? Like how did I even get that idea in my head?" Wow. And I don't know. Like that's why I, you know, I th- and and I don't I like this is a very thin line to walk when mm-hmm. I say this because I'm not saying that mental illness and self-harm or anything is is um like demonic in a way you know because that was a very harmful message I received and I internalized that what I was going through like I was possessed Mm, you know yeah and so I'm not saying that yeah but I don't think I would have I don't think I put that idea in my head I think that idea was a message from from the enemy yes 100% because what kind of 12 year old thinks that wow you know so and was this something that you, like, did anybody know you were doing this at that time? Like, did, were you hiding it? I never hid it well. And I think that's because well, I... Well, there's a difference between hiding it, w- never hiding it well and, like, hiding it. So mm. were you purposely trying to hide it? Or no. were you wanting to be caught or seen? I, I you know, it kind of fluctuated throughout points. Um, at that point... No, I wasn't hiding it. Mm. Um, and yeah, it went through points where I, I would, because also, you know, I was a swimmer. So yeah. it's like, oh yeah, your whole right. body is pretty much <laughs> <laughs> exposed when you're swimming. Exactly. So you only have, you know, certain places that it's not exposed. And yeah, there were some points where I was like, I just don't want to have the questions about it anymore. Wow. And so I would go through greater lengths to hide it. But, you know, I think it was like that was an ultimate cry for help that I wasn't I wasn't hiding it. Mm. I wanted someone to see and someone to ask me, are you okay?" That's all I wanted. Yeah. And did anybody ask you? Did anybody notice it? Did anybody call you out on it? You know, when people when people asked me about it, they would always say, what happened? Mm. It was never. Are you okay?" It was like, what are you doing to yourself? Yeah. You know, and when you see someone going through that to make them feel more ashamed of what they're doing just pushes them back to it. And, you know, not blaming anyone because how do you, that's scary. To see that on someone is scary. How do you approach that? And I don't think anyone knew. No one. Like, my coaches... My trainers, my parents, my friends, you know, it was, it was always, don't do that to yourself. It was never like, what's going on that's making you do that? Mm. Did they feel, do you feel like they felt more, and you were still 12 at this time? This was about, um, I mean, it lasted probably five years till I was 17. Do you think there was a fear for people to open up that conversation with you by asking you, are you okay? Or do you think that maybe it's just natural of us in general to try to control situations by 
solving it and saying, don't do this and, and thinking that that goes a long way. Yeah, I think just self-harm in general makes people uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and I just think it's one of those things that we don't talk about. And so we don't know how to handle it. Mm. Like we, we talk about how to handle someone doing drugs or someone, you know, whatever other numbing behavior it is, eating, eating disorders, you know, like we we talk about those things more but it i think because people just don't aren't educated about it they don't know about it and so it's confusing like for someone who's never done it i mean my mom still asks me like why did you why and it's like i i don't know why but i wasn't going to turn to the things that I saw my family doing because I knew that would just create chaos. Mm. So this was something that was almost like I could, I could close myself off even more. Mm. Do you feel, and I am no expert in this at all, but do you feel like self harm wearing, wearing the wounds is almost a way of, an outward a, an outward showing of the pain that you're feeling inside. 100%. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like even now, like I have, I have scars and <coughs> it's, it's like that, that still is like an outward showing of like what I went through. Mm. Yeah, I think 100%. And do you feel... How do you feel about those scars now? I still, you know, people like still, it hasn't happened in a while. I think the last time was in college, my weight trainer. And he was like, what is that? Mm. You know, another it's like, like, yeah, like surprised reaction. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, sorry, <laughs> but what the hell? Like, you're just going to really point that out to me out of nowhere, uh -huh. you know? And yeah, it, it, you know, it's it's just it's just the way that we approach people who are hurting. Yeah. Like if we're not if we're not comfortable in our own pain, then like how can we be comfortable in in like being in someone else's pain with mm. them? And it's not like a comfortability like oh I want to stay here, which I think for some people it totally can be. I think for me for a long time it was that but it's a comfortability. Like I'm not ashamed to talk about it. Yeah. I'm not. And you know, with something like self-harm that brings so much shame, it's like you really, you need someone who is going to come at you with shame as the, like the farthest thing away from yeah. it. Yeah. Like they, you need all the grace in the world. Wow. Wow. Now going through that point in your life and, and doing how, how long were you doing that for? I'm probably five years it really all like culminated um right before my 17th birthday and what happened what was the how can I ask this what was the event because I guess I'm still learning more a little bit about that as well too was because you had another very traumatic event that happened um around that time 
but was that event the thing that stopped the self-harm or were you still continuing after that in some way or was that you know and and I'll let you explain it was that the Mm -hmm. was that the the last time I ever did not the last time but was that the like pinnacle of all of this building up Mm, yes and yes it was it was definitely the pinnacle but when you reach the top you don't just drop down to okay I'm better now like recovery is a long road. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. like it's probably like a less steep climb mm-hmm. than it is up to the top of it. Yeah. Being as hard as it was. Yeah. I mean, I believe that no matter what we go through in life, like like we are always like we're recovering until the day that we die. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? Yeah, that's true. We're yeah. Yeah. Mm. But so, yeah, take us into that. I I don't know what the best, like, word for it, like, that final event or that final, like, the, the I feel like I have it on the tip of my tongue, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the, the camel that broke the straw's back, right? The or straw the, that broke the camel's <laughs> back. <laughs> Sorry. Very close. Yes. <laughs> I'm just, like, I'm trying to find the right word for yeah. it to yeah. say, like, this was, like, this is all that buildup of yeah. all that you were going through like yeah. th- like this yeah. event you're going to share yeah well i think it's like with any kind of numbing coping mechanism you use whether it's drugs or eating or self harm or whatever it is like mm-hmm. at a point it stops working yeah because you can only do so much of it until it kills you mm. and that's at the point where i was at it just it I but it wasn't the action of self-harm it no. was what you were feeling inside yes, yes. the things that you were feeling the lonely all that yes yeah 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 and throughout this time I got into a toxic relationship that you know my my ex was very similar to me mm. and we just fed into that darkness with each other mm. and it was we were comfortable in it like we loved each other in it and mm. it was very sick mm-hmm. and when I lost that, I was like, I have nothing now because I can't trust my family to be there for me. Wow. My friends can't handle me. But did you believe that to be true? Yes. Yes. Was it true? No. Or did you not give them the opportunity to really, or was there just a lot of other things that you were just like, you couldn't see it? I couldn't see anything. Way. I was so clouded. Mm. Like I I was in a dark cloud. The, everything I saw was just darkness. Yeah. And when I had like my only person that I felt like was in it with me taken away, it was like I it felt so it felt suffocating. It felt like I cannot handle this weight anymore. It felt like I I'm I'm truly like alone in this. And it felt like I was unlovable. Like you talk about damaging thoughts. It was like all of them. Like it was that I'll never have anyone like no one can ever love me. You know, like. Which is not true because I love you so much. (laughs) But go ahead. (laughs) It felt like desperate. Mm. And I, it, it, when you, when all of those things just come rushing in at you. 
then it's like I I could not see past it. I needed it to stop because it was too much. And so I went home after school and I was not in a good place. I was, you know, it was like panic and depression and I just was like done. And my mom saw me and she she I was supposed to go to swim practice that night. She said and she was supposed to drive us with the carpool. And she said, why don't you stay? I'm going to I'm going to take, you know, whoever we're going to take and then I'll be back. And I was like, OK. And it was like that time alone I had like. It was. It's like being alone and loneliness. You always say like boredom is the devil's playground. I and don't, I, th- I don't mind. Yeah, I think that's like being that was being alone for me. Because it was just me then. And all I had was me. Mm. And so I went into my mom's medicine cabinet. And I took three three bottles of pills. And I took them up to my bathroom. And I, and I took them all. And it's... What, what was going through your mind in that? Like you were committed to doing this. Like was there any point where you're like, mm, I'm just going to put them down? Or... No. The first, the second, the third bottle. Was there any point of like, no, I shouldn't do this? Mm-mm. Like you were committed to what you were feeling, you could, in the, almost. I was committed to getting out of what I was mm. feeling, like at any cost. I didn't care if it took my life because at least I wouldn't be feeling like this mm. anymore. And it wasn't even that I wanted to die, I don't think. I don't think I ever wanted to actually end my life. I think I just wanted it to I wanted it to stop. Like I wanted to breathe. I just wanted to breathe. And it's so funny because it's like, I wanted life. Like all I wanted was to live. And I felt like I wasn't. Mm. And so my mom got home. My dad got home. My dad got home first and you know, he came up and he was like, are you okay? And I remember like, this is, I, you know, with, with any like big life changing day or moment, it's like you can be transported back there. Yeah. And like, I remember it so clearly, like I was sitting on the floor and I had these like pill bottles out and I was like, should I hide them so they don't see, so they don't know that I did this or should I just leave them out? Like, you know, and I'll hide them later. Yeah. But it was like, That, I believe, was, like, the Lord's hand on my life, like, saying that you are not going to die. And you don't want to die. And I left them out. And I went to go talk to my dad. And I could feel myself just, like, you can feel yourself dying. You can feel yourself just slipping away. And that's what it felt like, like, just tiny parts of me one at a time slipping away. And... You know, he's like, he's trying to talk to me and I like can't, I can't really even focus on what he's saying because I'm like, I can barely keep my eyes open. And, you know, my mom gets home, she goes into the bathroom and I can just hear her scream like, oh my God, Frank. And like, she realized what had happened. And at that point I was just. Bleeding. I was, yeah, I was going like I was, I was on my way. And, you know, they, 
they like brought me downstairs and I don't really like it, it like kind of goes like in and out from here but was it just your parents there then? no it was bless her heart Maggie and Carolyn Grady wow. because they live next door at that point and they Maggie was there and she was just I don't think she knew what to do yeah and Carolyn was just Carolyn's a nurse mm-hmm. and Maggie is a nurse now too but she wasn't at the time but Carolyn was just in my face like stay awake stay awake you know like I just remember Carolyn's face in my face and my mom just over screaming, crying, like, oh, my God, no. And, um, you know, Carolyn was like, you have to call the ambulance. You have to. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, this was not the first time that I had tried this. Really? Yeah. There was a couple points before, but it was never really anything serious. It was just like, I wonder if I could take enough to not feel anymore. I didn't know. And so my parents knew that this was something I'd done before. Wow. And we we had gone to the hospital one other time before. Mm-hmm. And you know it wasn't it wasn't anything serious so they didn't really have to do anything. But you know this time I think they were hoping it was like that, but because of what I took Carolyn was like, "No, you have to." Mm-hmm. Like she she needs help right now. And you know, the ambulance came and they gave me charcoal and I just remember sitting on that chair. I remember exactly where it was in my kitchen and the guy, <laughs> the, the, you know, the paramedic, mm-hmm. he's like, you have to take this, keep going, keep going. Cause it's so gross. You have to chug it, huh? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and you know, then they took me to the hospital and I don't, again, like, I don't really remember much, Um, but I remember being there and eventually, like, waking up and wanting to get up, and they were like, please don't get up, please don't get up, and I was like, I have to go to the bathroom, (laughs) like, it's (laughs) just so stubborn, I'm just so stubborn, and, um, and I, I got up to go to the bathroom, I come back, and I can... Like, I'm getting, like, lightheaded. Mm. I can't really breathe. And I, like, start collapsing. And they brought me over to the bed. And they hooked me up. And, like, I could see on the monitor, like, my heart rate starting to drop. And I could hear my mom crying still. And I heard them calling the crash carts. And it was, like, to see all of that and to take that all in, I was, like, I don't want to die. Mm. And I remember like closing my eyes and telling myself like, just keep going. Just like, just keep your heart beating. And then my heart rate started going up. They never had to revive me. Wow. And it was just that in that moment, it was like a sudden it was a sudden realization of like, this cannot be over. This cannot, this cannot be how it ends. Wow. What's, what's one of the biggest things that you would tell? And how old were you at that time when you did that? 
I was I just before I turned seventeen because I spent my seventeenth birthday. birthday in my in a psychiatric hospital. Wow. If there's anything you can tell now, knowing where you're at, two weeks away from a new season. If you could go back to that moment in the bathroom with 16-year-old Catherine. If you could whisper in her ear one thing that could save her from going through that experience. Would you first? Mm. And what would you say? I don't even know that I would say anything, but... It's like I just wanted to be held. Mm. I wanted presence. Like I wanted someone there with me that wasn't scared of me, that wasn't trying to fix me, that wasn't dragging me down with them. I just wanted someone to like let me be Mm. in it, but also be like, be be like a rope I could hold on to. But they weren't, they wouldn't be pulling me up. Like, I could just have that rope of, like, okay, now I can climb up myself. Mm. What if I were to tell you that you did? I believe I believe that. And I believe that really, truly, as alone as I felt, that the Lord had that rope for me, mm. that Jesus was right there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's just no way I would be alive today if it wasn't for... This, if one thing had gone differently, I would not be here. Mm-hmm. And that just shows me that God was all over it. Wow. And that he was like, he was, he was protecting me. And that's why like anything from then on, mm-hmm. even in moments where I wasn't close with the Lord, anything at all that came at me as intense as it feels in the moment as as and as much as I can tell myself that it's always going to be this way I know like I have a deep like soul knowing that it's not because of that like he he showed me that he didn't leave me Mm -hmm. what do you believe about yourself spending time in at the, the the time after all of that and spending time in the psychiatric ward, what, what were you believing about yourself? What were those damaging thoughts at that point? Mm. Were, were, no, were you on the road to recovery to believing better about yourself or were you just in the moment of everything happening? Mm. I was in the moment and i i don't think that i fully um i fully bought into recovery and that i would be better mm. it was like a small buying in every day wow. like okay i'll do this i'll do this to to make it better for a little bit but i didn't think that i'd ever be healed did you want to i don't think so i don't think that i wanted to be better because I didn't know myself outside of this. Mm. And it's like, you know, I'm an Enneagram 4. I want to be special. Or, s- or so you think. Well, yes. Well, I'm, I'm on the path still to discovering. Out. Every week it changes. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but I truly believe like that that feels the most true to me because it's like it's almost like I wanted to be I wanted this to be like my story wow and I wanted it to be I wanted to be special in it really like and that's what is it it was almost like the addicting part of the whole cycle it was like yeah I this sucks like this is too much. This is, this is sad. This is lonely. This is depressing, but it felt, it felt comfortable. What about it felt comfortable? Like what, what were you hoping by saying, this is my story. I want to feel special in it. Like what were you after? What were you chasing after? Were you chasing after maybe your ex feeling bad and coming back? Were you, chasing after attention from other excuse me other people I think I just wanted to be different mm. like I wanted to be I wanted to be special I I really I don't know I don't know what I was chasing after mm. I think um yeah I don't really know mm. Yeah cuz I feel like in a way it's given you a story. It's mm -hmm. given you a chance to show how special the Lord is through mm -hmm. your story. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a thing that a lot of people can't separate in the moment. Mm -hmm. But when you look back on it, it that's nothing but true. Mm -hmm. Is that you even being here today to share this story. That's how the Lord is glorified through your walk, through mm -hmm. what you've had to go through, mm -hmm. through what, through what, you know, because we listened to that Stephen Furtick message mm -hmm. about, you know, God, God is in control, but it doesn't mean that he takes control. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that he's going to take control. Mm -hmm. So being that rope, being that lifeline for you in that moment, but you still going through it, mm. it's because you had to be here today. Mm-hmm to tell this story and to be a testimony mm -hmm. because whether somebody out there right now is listening to this and saying, I'm going through that, mm -hmm. I'm on my way to that, mm -hmm. or they know somebody who is, or they know mm -hmm. somebody who they've seen outward scars and have said, Whoa, what is that? Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Maybe this is your chance to hear this and go back to them and say, are you okay? Are you okay? Mm. Well, I always come up with the titles within the conversation. <laughs> are you okay? Mm. Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, <laughs> Annie? <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, this is your testimony. Mm -hmm. um, so through your recovery, did you feel more support? Genuine support? Or was it? we got to get you better. We mm. can't have this happen again. Do you mm -hmm. feel like people were walk tipping their toes around you? Mm. Um, scared of what scared of you? What you yes. might do? Yes. Um, right after. Uh, yes. Mm. Um, I think, you know, putting myself in the position of my parents, especially the worst, I cannot imagine. I don't even have kids, but I can't imagine losing Rocky. Mm. Like that would be, and we've had some scares. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Um, that would be, I think the deepest pain 
Mm-hmm. The deepest loss that anyone could ever feel is to lose their child, mm-hmm. the person they're supposed to take care of and protect. Mm-hmm. And so I can't, I mean, I saw it in my mom's face that night. Mm-hmm. I've, I saw her fear. Like, yeah. Yeah. When you were telling me the story, I couldn't like, when you were saying like, you could literally, like it was blurry to you, but you, the, your dad was in the other bed, just talking to you and then like carrying you down the stairs And that makes me emotional because it just, it almost puts me in his shoes of like, oh my God, like what? And that's why I asked you, like, have you ever asked him like what that was like or how that felt for him? Mm. Because to carry your daughter and almost a lifeless, but your own really like, you know, your brother is by marriage and everything, but your only daughter, your Mm -hmm. only child in a way, Right to be carrying her down the stairs because her she's almost lifeless. Mm. And I don't say that for dramatic effect, effect. I say that because I couldn't imagine. Like when Rocky was chewing a pen or anything and, or when he <laughs> had the reversed reverse sneezes oh gosh, yeah. and I'm holding him and I'm carrying him and he's stiff. Like that that like you know that compares probably nothing to like that moment your dad was going through, but your heart sinking mm-hmm. and feeling helpless, but all you can do is just act and move and mm-hmm. run down the stairs holding you mm-hmm. like that I, I, there's no words, mm-hmm. and only people in that moment can probably mm. only describe or not even really, but mm-hmm. it's just man. yeah, I think it's like it's a fear unlike any other. Um, and so when I, now that I know that they were, and really the whole time since they, since they knew that I was Mm self-harming up until that point, they were acting out of fear Mm. and because they didn't know, they knew how to deal with someone abusing drugs Mm -hmm. and acting out, but they didn't know how to deal with a kid who was putting every, like pulling everything in Mm. and, they were just scared and I don't even know what your question was now. (laughs) I think my original question was what was recovery like? Mm. Yeah. So did you immediately? Oh yeah. 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 So yeah, I think they, they were scared for a long time and they've realized because you know, only, a year and a half later, did I move to a different time zone to mm-hmm. go to college? Yeah. Like I was out, I was away and they like, I don't even know what happened at that point, but they trusted me mm. and they trusted that I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And did you trust yourself? Was that ever a thought that this might happen again? Um, yeah, it's a fear. It's a fear that, that because I, 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 I've never felt a pain, a deep, like, soul-crushing pain like that again. And so, yes, I fear, part of me fears that when I lose, when I lose my parents or, like, if I ever lost you, like, yeah, that, that's that scares me that that would be that intense and that comes like that's a deep fear of I think 
the intensity of the emotion mm. and but we don't feel right so that's why i said Let's part believe. of me because <laughs> now it's You're the like lord right now it's like i know that no matter how intense it is like i'm going to i'm going to be i'm gonna, i'm going to be alive at the other side of it uh-huh. and this might be a whole another conversation for another time but that that intensity that you feel because i know you've mentioned that a lot through us through our time dating and now being engaged mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> just gotta shameless, plug that every time plug. <laughs> but because i always forget to call it like i i've been making the mistake of saying my girlfriend still you know yeah. so it's all still new to me but um that intensity that you feel do you think that's like a chemical reaction like is that is mm-hmm. that is that an emotional thing or is that like a chemical i'm not gonna say imbalance but mm-hmm. i'm gonna say do you think that's something chemical like like in the brain like that intensity mm. to feel because I know you feel for people like when people are going through things you feel what they feel you mm. might might not be the exact same thing but you're there you're in it with them mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm okay. not sure if we'll that's leave it at that because I know that opens up well, a whole other can but I do want to say like I think for people who are are intense feelers mm-hmm. specifically because I don't think that's everyone no that you know I think the Lord the Lord designs us to be intense something, mm-hmm. intense doers, intense thinkers, mm. intense feelers. And for those of us who are intense feelers, I, I'm i not sure how how that's wired within us, like physiologically, yeah. but I believe that's a gift. Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Mm. I think it's like that when I am living out of, my healthy and like adaptive deep feelings I don't there's nothing that feels more authentic to me than that it feels like I am I am like in this grounded steady place Mm. and it's funny because like intense emotions can sometimes feel really unsteady but to me they almost feel it feels like home Mm. wow that's a good way of putting it. Thinking of it as a gift because there's so many things. There's so I mean, so many things that people can do with what they have or or do with their talents and their gifts. Mm-hmm. And there's there's so many th- gifts, but there's when it comes down to it, if you think of it about it as just within the a black and white area uh, uh, of thinking, you either use it for good. Or you mm-hmm. use it for evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So. Through that time, moving to another time zone and, and state, I mean, obviously you're you're in college, you're an athlete. You probably don't have a lot of time to think about a lot of things, but do you have anything to share a part of your journey or your recovery through that time? Or do you want to mm. get to moving to Chicago you know I think really all of it like from my time at Vandy to my time in Chicago Mm -hmm. like really up until the last up until 2018 yeah so what was that journey because I know that being at Vandy really kind of almost brought you back to the basics of of uh your faith yeah 
you know, I think I learned so much. Like after, after that happened, I was in my junior year of high school. So I had like a year and a half to really, like really dive into recovery. Mm-hmm. And I had an incredible therapist. Mm-hmm. Like he was like my second father. And I, I got into the practice of becoming more self-aware in a way that was going to be adaptive and healthy, not a self-awareness where like, okay, it's time to go do this now because I feel like I've always been really aware of what's going on within Mm -hmm. me. But to use that to now stay along a steady, healthier path. Mm. And I was on antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And so I think that really leveled me out. And when I came off of them, it was like almost a relearning. It was a, it was a lot quicker, but it was a relearning of how to be with the intensity of emotions again. Wow. And yeah. So what was the, uh, what was the point where you started to really like discover, rediscover your relationship with God? Mm. It was probably, my it was in my time at Vandy I'm not sure exactly when but it had gone you know like kind of I go to FCA a couple times I go to church a couple times I really feel it and then you know life would just happen and I was tired on Sundays because it was our literally our only day to sleep in in college where you're like everyone else is sleeping in it's not fair (laughs) and so it was a lot of that but towards the end of my senior year, I'd say I was like, all right, swimming's going to be done. Mm -hmm. This thing that has grounded me and really saved my life in so many ways. Um, and so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to find things that hold me as well as that did. Yeah. And so church was one of those things. I was like, I really just feel like I need this. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I started going to Cross Point mm. in Nashville. Amazing church. If anyone is listening mm. from Nashville, you got to go. Shout out crosspoint.tv. <laughs> yeah. Annie F. Downs. <laughs> Be our guest. <laughs> Someday. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And um, I, I think I really experienced the Holy Spirit meeting me where I was at mm-hmm. and like really speaking to me wow. like clearly. And I never, I always feel like my heart was attuned with the Holy Spirit, yeah. but my mind was not. Mm. And I finally was like, wow, this is like, I want to dive into this. Mm-hmm. Like this feels right. Yeah. And so I started going more and I realized like it was something I needed. Like n- it wasn't just something that I could have in my life. It was something I needed to be the foundation of my life. Wow. And I think that was something I gradually started to learn from that point on really. Um, and you know, when I moved to Chicago, it was kind of the same thing. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to find a church. I need this. And 
because of another toxic relationship I was in. It was kind of off and on, Mm -hmm. like going to church and not. And and I won't blame it entirely on that. It was also me and Mm -hmm. my own laziness. But, you know, then I found Soul City and really like the rest is history. Like I, it took, you know, then a while for me to get really like super involved. Yeah. Um, What was the first thing you got involved in? I, well, so I joined a small group. Mm -hmm. I never went to the small group, but it was the, (laughs) I know it was the Soul City Young Adults back when like they were trying to create, I think like a full ministry around it. And so I was, I was in like the very first small group that they ever did for that. And because I was like one of the first to sign up for it, Mm -hmm. I kind of like stayed in it and I would put myself in at like one point, you know, three months would go by and then I put myself in it and Mm -hmm. I like reach out to someone and be like, I haven't been in a while, but I really like, I want to, I want to start going a lot. And then I'd have like one person to hold me accountable. Mm. And then that person, Lucy brought me into like her small group. Mm. And so it was just, it was tiny. It was like, I could stray far away for a long time, but then because of these little tiny seeds that the Lord helped me sow throughout the way, like it would, I would be pulled back in. Wow. And that's like the beautiful thing about that community is like, you don't even have to really know the person, mm-hmm. but like, they're going to pull you back in. It's like really incredible. Exactly. Um, and so it was when, you know, that the roommate I was living with, like it just got really bad and it got to a point where I was like, I can't live here anymore mm-hmm. because it's truly like, it's hurting me. Um, and then I realized like, I really need a steady, uh, something steady in my life besides just going every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I really started going to small group, um, a lot more regularly and, you know, moving, moving into an apartment alone, you realize how you, if you don't want to be alone and lonely you have to go and seek out people mm-hmm. like you just have to because you're alone all the time mm-hmm. wow but you can't expect others to um to know what you're feeling you right because there's people oh yeah like that who are lonely and they expect other people to know what they're going through and 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 assume to be there for them. Oh yes. And I think that was me like the first few months I lived alone. Wow. I was like, I'm just waiting for someone to want to hang out with me, but I didn't want to make that effort because like, I didn't want to be rejected. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be too much. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be needy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't want to go, I didn't want to like reach out to someone that I wasn't going to connect with. Yeah. And so I just like expected like my friends to be like, always up my butt like mm-hmm. wanting to hang out yeah, with me like yeah. truly but you were used to that in college and being around so many people all the time yeah yeah um and I you know I just kind of after going to Arizona oh, Lord. <laughs> that's another podcast <laughs> after real. after going on that trip though I really realized that I have to take agency like of my life Mm -hmm. and I can't just let life happen to me Mm. and I can't just expect other people to read my mind, do what I want them to do. Like, like basically like step up Mm -hmm. and 
you know, that's really like a lot of what yoga has taught me to like step up, take responsibility for what's going on yeah. in your mind and your life, like on your mat, off mm-hmm. your, you know, like you roll your mat out everywhere. Mm. Like the world is your mat, you wow. know? And, um, so it just, I got back from there and I was like, I am going to be this whole new person. I'm going to mm-hmm. have no worries. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to go out. I'm mm-hmm. going to have fun. And then it just started, you know, going down like almost the exact opposite path where I was going out all the time and mm-hmm. just spending, you know, spending way too much time doing things that I thought were freeing, mm-hmm. but were just kind of entrapping me in like a whole different way. Yeah. And, you know, then a couple months later, go to El Salvador and then truly the rest is history. <laughs> The rest is uh, history. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, man, a- and it's so it's so funny to hear. Not funny in the sense of humor, but it's it's it's, it's just incredible. Enli- it, it's in, it's incredible, and it's enlightening to hear your path and to like kind of be like, okay, like where was I at that time? You know, just in general in my life and. Mm-hmm what I was going through and knowing how we're together now. And, um, (laughs) God is so good. Mm. He's so good. And his timing is perfect. And, you know, he's, he's honestly an incredible architect of, of everything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of everything, of moments, of Mm. memories, of trauma, trauma, of success. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you name it. He, is the great designer. Yeah. Like, man, what it would be to like have the creative, what, what would even be the creative mind of God? Mm, yeah. What would that even feel, think, be like, like we can't even comprehend. Yeah. Well, I think what's so like a beautiful too, is that he, he uses the small things like to create big big things, mm. big change, big movement. Mm. Like he, he planted the seed in my mind when I was still in Nashville that I want to go on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. And I tried like probably like two or three different times to see if like someone wanted to go with me or how I could do this. And it just never, mm. it never worked out. But like that seed was planted. Mm. And then like three years later, literally three years later, Like when I heard about El Salvador happening, Mm. I was like, I just know I have to be there. And so it was like, you know, you use the little things that he puts in your path. Mm -hmm. And now look at what, like that trip was, it, it, what was a week long trip is now lasting a lifetime. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great things in what you just said there. And it's not even just the little things that God uses. It's it's the ugly things mm-hmm. that he uses. And he, <laughs> he just turns them into like the most beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And we, we only see what we see. Like, for example, God took a toxic relationship you were in that led you down a path to, to death Hmm. Yeah. And through that journey, he led you to life, and a new relationship, a new creation, mm-hmm. uh, an 
of of relationship and we're not perfect right mm-hmm. we're we we are working hard to communicate what we have very very is, very hard yes like we're putting all of ourselves into yes this. and what we have together is founded on of course the lord and, and just everything he's done in both of our lives but just the communication that we have mm-hmm. continuing every single day mm-hmm. <laughs> but taking the ugly things and making them beautiful right mm-hmm. and that's one part of it i think the other part of it is just showing you the that putting yourself in the race putting yourself in it allowing yourself to have that relationship with god has opened up so many more doors for you. Mm-hmm. And knowing that you said he planted something in you, you know, a lot of the times, shout out to uh, Rev Dan Christian Bradley, who mm-hmm. was on here. He was telling me the other day on the phone, like sometimes God gives you things that are supposed to be just for you. Mm, yeah. So, th- so having that planted in you to go on a missions trip and then feeling like, who can I find to go with me? Who yeah. can I, oh, that's how can so I do good. this? Like, maybe that took three years. Yeah, to be okay with going alone. To be okay with going alone and trusting God yeah. in your loneliness. Yeah. What you have battled your whole life of being lonely and seeing it as a dark thing, seeing it as an empty space. Mm-hmm. He allowed you to be okay with your loneliness, moving, going through another toxic maybe friendship or just circumstance that mm-hmm. led you to living alone, mm-hmm. choosing to live alone. Mm-hmm. I'm preaching now, mm-hmm. choosing to live alone so that he can open up these doors for you to do wonderful and mighty things with without limits, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As long as you're walking according to his will, mm-hmm. according to his purpose, according to his word. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, there are mm. things in life that can be just for us. It's not a mm-hmm. selfish thing. Mm-hmm. God put it in you. Mm-hmm. And again, Pastor Dan Christian Bradley said, God didn't save you just to save you. Oh, yeah. What is it that he told you to do for the kingdom? Mm. Mm. And that, that right there, that question... I mean, we can kick ourselves, kick dirt all day trying to figure out and how to answer that. But the only way to do that is to turn it over to the Lord mm-hmm. and just walk in his purpose. Mm-hmm. Don't think, don't think too hard about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm learning that. Yeah. It's like the more you think hard about it, like the more you're probably going to mess it up. Absolutely. It's like you like align your heart mm. with him. Mm. And like, like when you, when you go through something that God saves your life, mm. Like you, and it doesn't even have to be a life saving thing. It could, it could be a soul saving thing, you know, whatever it is. But when you go through something where you see God's hand all over it and you, then, then you have like the Holy Spirit's guidance within Mm -hmm. you, like that's in you and you have to listen to it. Like it's not something you can think through. It's Mm. something you like that comes out of you Mm -hmm. that, you know, like it's that deep knowing that just feels like 
man, that feels like home too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's learning how to suffer in mm-hmm. the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because as, as fact as life and death are, so is suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can choose to be in your suffering and continue suffering in the wrong direction or you can choose to embrace that suffering mm-hmm. and know that it's leading you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And the and the greatest example is Jesus dying on the cross for us. Yeah. He knew he had to suffer. And we just listened to a sermon today where he could have chose to easily perform a miracle and shut everybody up mm-hmm. and say, I am the son of God. I am the son of man. I am the Messiah. I am Lord. Mm-hmm. But he chose to suffer because he knew he was doing it in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And that is an example of picking up your cross, carrying it every day and dying to yourself Mm -hmm. every day, every day. Mm -hmm. It's every day. Mm. That's recovery too. It's like, yeah, it's an everyday recommitment Mm. to doing that Mm. and like being okay with small steps. Wow. So you're a living example of what the Lord can do. You've shared a lot of um, things that a lot of people walk through life and, and can't share, won't share, don't share. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a couple questions, um, and I know you have something. Is there a scripture you want to share? Yeah, but. Yeah, so. yeah. no, I, I, I was going to, we're going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to ask you a couple last questions before mm-hmm. you share that scripture. And, um. If there's anything that you can say to your parents who are definitely going to be listening because they support you, oh, yeah. they love you, you and they're amazing people and they they love you, you know, to walk with you through everything that you've been through and to continue to support you, like, that is love. That is Christ's love through your parents. What? And, and we all make mistakes. Like, you you make mistakes. I make mistakes. People, humans, we make mistakes. Regardless of any of that, of what you didn't feel at the time versus what you feel now, what, what would you want to tell them listening right now? Mm. What, like, just came up for me was, like, I don't know, just this phrase, like, you're good. Like, not that you, not that, that you are you are good, but like, you're good. What you're doing, like, you're good. We're good. And I, I really don't want to say that I forgive you because I truly as angry and as like resentful and blaming, like as I can get with them, I don't believe that they out of their hearts, like did anything wrong. Mm. And so like, I don't want to say I forgive you because I, I think I don't feel that's right. I think to forgive them for. Yeah. I I really think it's that you're good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're doing good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like that's the main thing is like they, you know, and, and other people in these situations, they do everything they know what they can do within their strength. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And to still have both your parents here today and loving on you. And, you know, you being able to call them for different same reasons, like that's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And they've been with you and they've walked with you through this 
through everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means. That's what the whole premise of, of this podcast is in general, this platform of walk after falling. And it's not walking alone. It's knowing who's been with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's awesome. And the other part is anybody else listening today mm-hmm. who can relate to all or parts of your story. Mm-hmm. What, what word would you have for them? Mm. I want to read mm-hmm. a psalm that I feel just it perfectly describes where God is in moments where you feel like he's not there. Mm-hmm. So it's Psalm 30 from the message version. I give you all the credit, God. You got me out of that mess. You didn't let my fo- foes gloat. God, my God, I yelled for help, and you put me together. God, you pulled me out of the grave. You gave me another chance at life when I was down and out. All you saints, sing your hearts out to God. Thank him to his face. He gets angry once in a while, but across a lifetime there is only love. The nights of crying your eyes out give way to days of laughter. When things were going great, I crowed, I've got it made. I'm God's favorite. He made me king of the mountain. Then you look the other way and I fell to pieces. I called out to you, God. I laid my case before you. Can you sell me for a profit when I'm dead? Auction me off at a cemetery yard sale? When I'm dust to dust, my songs and stories of you won't sell. So listen and be kind. Help me out of this. You did it. You changed wild lament into whirling dance. You ripped off my black mourning band and decked me with wildflowers i'm about to burst with song i can't keep quiet about you god my god i can't thank you enough and is there any last words you want to share about your story are there (laughs) proper english (laughs) I just, I think that he will turn your sufferings to joy. Mm-hmm. Like Romans eight eighteen, mm-hmm. The pain you've been feeling cannot compare to the joy that's coming. Mm. And it's not to make it feel better in the moment, but it's to give you perspective that there is going to be a moment that it will be better. Mm. That's good. Thank you. Thank you, babe. Thank you. <laughs> babe. Well, everybody, I hope that you enjoyed this this uh, story, this message, and know that, like she said, God's glory is better than anything that you're feeling in this moment. Mm-hmm. So hold on, and we're going to get there.